Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. We are continuing uh, our discussion of last podcast about what do we do on the day we set apart for God. Now, some lovely ladies listening are those who keep the Sabbath, and then there are others who keep Sunday. And uh, so we're not talking about which day, but what do we do on the day that we set apart for the Lord? I had just a few more thoughts uh, that I thought I would share with you last uh, week. We talked about it being a day of rest and refreshing and reviving of our spirits and also that it was not only a day of rest, but a day of of rest. It's not an hour when we just go to church for an hour or a couple of hours, but a day. And uh, I think that we have gotten away from that concept of this day being a day set apart for God. And um, I'm thinking back to that uh, old famous movie, I wonder if you saw it. It came out in 1981, so that's about 42 years ago. Uh, Chariots of Fire. Did any of you see it? It's a marvelous movie uh, showing uh, this guy, Eric Liddell, um, who he went to the Olympic Games, but he was a believer and did not believe in doing sports on Sunday. But his final race was going to be on Sunday. And uh, how that he refused to run it, uh, and although he was set to be the winner of, I think it was the 100 yards, uh, he did not go ahead. He stood his ground because he was committed to keep this as a day unto the Lord. Instead, he had to run in another race, I think it was the 400, and uh, which he won, um, although it wasn't even his race. God honored him. Um, but it's an amazing movie and worth watching, something to show your children. And we were mentioning about how some people, uh, they are not actually committed to a church fellowship. Um, I do believe that is so important, whether we are keeping the Sabbath or keeping Sunday. We should be committed to the people of God. Did you know that in the New Testament, the word church is mentioned 118 times. And the word synagogue, uh, where the Jewish people worshipped, is mentioned 57 times. And so we see how they were committed to a church. And the word church is ecclesia, and it means a Christian community of members on earth. An assembly, a congregation, 
So, we know the church is not a building. The church is the people. Yes, it's an assembly of people. But the only way it can be an assembly of people is if we assemble. Yes, we have to assemble. And, of course, that takes an effort. That comes back to us as mothers, doesn't it? We are the ones who really make it happen. We've got to even start thinking about it the night before and preparing clothes, um, getting to get everyone ready for going to meet with the people of God. I mean, especially with children, we need to make sure that we've got all their special clothes ready for Sunday. And uh, I think we should wear special clothes for Sunday, don't you? I mean, that was always traditional. And uh, if we go back to the Word of God, we read of how the priests had to change their clothes when they went into the holy place. And before they came out, they didn't wear the clothes they wore around in the holy place. They had to change into their priestly clothes. And uh, I think when we're coming to meet with God, uh, we show respect, we show reverence when we dress nicely. Back in my day, uh, we used to have what was called our Sunday best. Have you ever heard that little phrase, Sunday best? We didn't have so many clothes in those days. And so you had one set of clothes that was for Sunday. And that was special for Sunday. Today, we have so many clothes. I just went up to um, Goodwill the other day and um, Goodness, I couldn't believe it. I mean, everything was so cheap, and then you can have half-price day. So you can buy clothes for you a couple of dollars, three dollars, maybe four at the most, and lovely clothes. And so you can actually have quite a big wardrobe these days, and you're not really spending much at all. Um, but it's so it is different. And But I, I don't... Oh, please, lovely mothers. We have to watch our girls as they're growing up we live in just live in this world where the fashion is not uh it's not founded on godly principles it's founded on the spirit of the world and i don't believe that it's right uh for our daughters to wear jeans to church jeans aren't church clothes they don't belong to church nor do any kind of pants belong to church. And yet there are some who will even the wear, I don't know what you call them, these totally uh, knit, skin-tight pants, which are so revealing. You might as well, I mean, might as well be naked, clothed but naked, because you can still see every little nook and cranny and line. I mean, these are not church clothes. And then we come to summertime. And, I mean, you want to go to church to worship God and you'd think you were going to the beach. And here's not only girls, but even older women with shoulders bare. No, we don't wear bare shoulders to church. We don't wear 
clothes that show cleavage to church. We don't wear short dresses to church. I believe they should be at least minimum to the knee when going to church. You see, we are a holy people. God says, I am holy. Be ye therefore holy. Well, it's bad enough wearing those kind of clothes around, let alone to church. It's time we lifted the standard for church. So mothers, it starts with us. What are we wearing to church? Do we have a lovely dress for church that is modest, feminine, lovely? We're going to the house of God. We're going amongst his holy people. We should be making it a holy place. That's another thing that um, it is called in, in Leviticus 23.2. God says, six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath rest, a holy convocation. Now, the word convocation in the Old Testament, I was talking to you about uh, the New Testament, the word ecclesia or ecclesia, uh, 118 times, and that is an assembly, a gathering together of God's people. We go back to the Old Testament, and guess what, ladies? Uh, some time back I was doing a study on the word assembly, and I found 12 different Hebrew words that mean the assembling of God's people. So here's one of them, convocation. It's the word mikra, and it means a public meeting, something which has been called out, an assembly. And so it's a holy convocation, a holy assembly. And on the day that we set apart for God, we are to meet in a holy assembly. Therefore, we better be wearing clothes that are holy. Yes, they don't have to be drab and boring, because as God told them when he was talking about the priest's clothing, he said that they were to be holy clothes, but also for glory and for beauty. So we wear holy clothes, but beautiful clothes. Talking about these different words for assembly, I'm not going to give you all the words, but we just looked at one there in the context of the Sabbath day, the holy convocation. And that word is used, let me see how many times, yes, 23 times uh, that particular word is used for the assembling of God's people in the Old Testament. Here's another one, Exodus 30, verse 36. And God is talking about how in the tabernacle of the congregation, where I will meet with thee, the word congregation is moed, and um, it also means, it means an assembly, 
a place of meeting, a congregation. And it also means, ladies, actually, this is the first meaning, an appointment, a fixed time. And this word for assembly is used 223 times in the Old Testament. And the first, if you go to the Strong's Concordance, the first part of the meaning is an appointed time. Isn't that interesting? Yes, I believe that we have an appointed time to meet with the saints. Now, they had appointed times when God wanted them to meet uh, back in the Old Testament. But now we're living in our day and we also have appointed times. Different churches start at different times. Some start at 10 in the morning, some 11, some have it in the afternoon, some at different times. And so whatever your church has, that's the appointed time. And once again, I do believe we should try to get there by the appointed time. Because this is biblical. This is biblical, precious ladies. See, these are little practical things we're talking about on this day that we set aside for God. Now, we as mothers, we were talking about the clothing. We have to get the clothing ready for our little ones. Yes, um, because, okay, go and get ready, Johnny. And poor little Johnny, he can't find his socks and he can't find his shirt and he can't. And then, Susie, are you getting ready? But she can't find whatever she has to wear. And then maybe they will come out in the wrong clothes. You have to, uh, to organize the clothes. And of course, even from your little ones, dear ladies, I was noticing, just been noticing lately, how most children today, most children are clothed in pants and jeans and so on. That's the clothing of today. So, somewhere along the way, mothers have just fitted in to the clothing uh, of our just worldly society. And now they come to church. Yes, I mean, even our fellowship. I, children, they're in pants, they're in jeans, coming to church. But that's not their fault. It's mothers. The mothers. The mothers are dressing. Little ones, the mothers are dressing them in these clothes. They are dressing them like this, even to come to church. We've lost it along the way, ladies. It's time we brought a greater reverence and respect into the house of God, which is the assembling of his people. It doesn't matter whether it's a house church or a great big church or a cathedral, whatever it is. I mean, it's not the building. It is the assembling. But in the assembling, we come dressed appropriately. So the night before, we are checking out for our little ones, their clothes. We have them ready for them to get up and get dressed into so that we're not screaming around, trying to find things. And so we're preparing to be ready for the appointed time. I know some mothers who have found that on Saturday night they will put their clock, their watch, their whatever, they will put it an hour ahead. 
uh, so that, or half an hour ahead, so that when they're looking at the time, uh, they sort of think, oh, wow, okay. And, and then, wow, they can get to church early just about, or on time, because usually, you know, so easy to be late, but they can eventually actually get there on time if they set their watch ahead or their lot don't even wear watches today, but um, whatever you use for your timing. And uh, so it is an appointed time. And in that same scripture, it says, in the tabernacle of the congregation, that's a word for the appointed time, the assembling of his people, where I will meet with thee. There is another word, meet. It's, it's another Hebrew word for assembly. And it means, once again, an appointed time to meet at a stated time to summon an assembly together. So it has the both meanings, once again, of assembling together, but at an appointed time, at a stated time. Wow. Now, I'm not making all this up, ladies. It's just the word. And I think we have to be reminded of the word, don't we? We... we we have to come back to his word. We get away from it. I mean, I can just see how much I have got away from things that how we lived in the early days and even in my lifetime, which is just like a blink of my eye. I mean, I, as I said before, was it last session? I lived in the days when uh, not only every Christian family uh, set aside their day unto the Lord, but even the secular, they may not have been doing it unto the Lord, but they had to have that day because no shops were open. They couldn't do much on that day. No sports, no shops, no nothing. Well, now, of course, there's everything. And just a reminder about it's not just a day of rest, it's a day of rest. Okay, So we're not only getting ready to go and meet with the people of God and uh, we're getting the clothes ready and we're just encouraging our teen daughters that they will wear something lovely and beautiful to church. We're showing them that church is a special thing and, and just such a wonderful privilege in the greatest day of the week where we say oh I was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the Lord that just should be our attitude then what are we going to do come home and uh, okay we're home throw throw off all our our church clothes and let's just get out we'll go to this sport or we'll do this we'll go to this entertainment or we'll just turn on the tv and watch sports that's what happens in many homes dear ladies it's not just church it's a day a day a day a day for God and a day for his people. I think it's the most wonderful day for hospitality. All throughout our lives, uh, we have done one thing or the other. If the church that we have been involved in does not have a fellowship meal after the service, well, we will come home and bring guests with us. For many years, pastoring in New Zealand and then Australia, this was actually what we did. We showed hospitality. 
And we would invite families and young people and whoever home to have a meal with us. Oh, it is such a beautiful thing, ladies. You know, it's sort of a letdown to come home from being in the presence of God and with the people of God and just come home and you're just on your own. It's boring. Oh, I can remember one time. Oh, you know, we have families every Sunday and, you know, some Sundays we'd end up with about 30 people around. Well, they couldn't fit around our table. So we'd have people around our big table and then our children, they would have friends, or you know, sitting around somewhere else and so on. And I can remember one time thinking, oh, goodness me, I just think I need a rest. So I said to my husband, darling, Let's just not ask anybody next Sunday. Let's just have a day to ourselves. So we did. We didn't ask anybody. And we came home. Do you know what? It was the most boring Sunday of our lives. We came home. We looked at each other. There was no one else to talk to. The children were bored out of their brains. So we never did it again, ever. We've always invited people. Well, the logistics of this has been different also in different countries. Back in New Zealand, where it's a sheep country and a typical New Zealand meal is roast lamb. Well, it's not really roast lamb. It's roast hoggard or roast mutton because we export our lamb and we would eat either the hoggard, which is a, a year old lamb, or we'd eat one that is older and bigger, which can feed more people. And so I would put on a big roast of, of mutton, that's an older sheep, in the um, in the oven and porch, um, potatoes, pumpkin, kumra, that's our New Zealand sweet potato, around the meat and uh, it would be just slowly cooking while we were at church. Yes, I did have the element on, but it was on pretty low. We'd cook it low and, and slow, long and slow. And uh, so it would be cooking and I would have frozen peas ready. I would have a salad made and maybe something else. That was all prepared the day before. And then when we came home, uh, we would often get hot bread from the shop on the way home because that's what you could do. And uh, I made, I've always made our homemade bread. But we allowed our children to have hot white bread on Sundays. Oh, they thought it was amazing. And, of course, now we've got shops open on Sundays, so we would buy hot bread and bring it home. And some people would come and not bring anything. Others would also bring something. And somehow we would feed everybody. And um, then we moved to Australia. Well, now I just couldn't get my big legs or shoulders of of roast lamb or hog it over there it was too expensive and so I would usually the night before or early that morning I would just cook up a great big pot of chili or something like that that would feed a multitude and uh, once again have a salad ready and uh, once again we'd just bring loaves of hot bread home from the shop loads of it everybody loved hot bread and uh 
So we would do that and, and uh, just feed all the people that came. Oh, it was so glorious and wonderful. Fellowship with God's people is so amazing. I remember in our church in New Zealand, we encouraged everyone to show hospitality. And because hospitality, the Bible says, show hospitality to one another. And it's it's biblical. It's part of the lifestyle of the of the kingdom of God. It was the lifestyle of the early church, and they not only did it once a week; they did it daily. They met to daily in their homes. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter two, and so we would encourage everyone to show hospitality. They learned as they came into our homes and they, wow, this is so great. And so they began asking people into their homes. And then it became a problem because unless you called somebody during the week, if you were just asking someone there on Sunday, you wouldn't be able to find anybody to ask home because everybody had already been asked home. Oh, what a glorious church where everybody was showing hospitality to one another. Well, now we are doing it differently, and here uh, currently uh, we have church in our home out here on the hilltop. It's called the House of Prayer, and uh, but it's not really a little lounge church because we have our big Above Ruby's packaging room, and we can fit up to 100 people in this room, which is such a glorious blessing. And uh, after our service, we have fellowship meal. And this is also such a blessing. Oh, it's such a blessing because we can fellowship with one another. You know, church is not just coming to sit and listen to a message and go home. No, it is one anothering. It's togethering with God's people. And so much of the blessing of being together is when we're sitting, talking over the meal. You begin to find out, oh, where the people really are. What are their needs and what are their visions and what are their passions and what is happening in their lives and, and what are things we can do together. Oh, goodness me, every Sunday is so amazing and even in just doing, I still don't get time to talk to everyone, um, but at least everyone can be talking with different people, and the children can go out, they have fellowship, the young people have fellowship, and then they can play volleyball together, and hang out, play soccer together, and many families hang out right till the late afternoon, and uh, so it is a togethering, an assembling with the people of God. And uh, that is just how he intends it to be. Yes. And so I think we've got to get into our hearts that it's not just going to church. It is a day unto the Lord and um, also a day for his people. And then when you're not with his people, you will find the things that you want to do as unto the Lord and to delight yourself in him. For we are to delight in the Sabbath day or the day that we keep unto the Lord. And another thing about it, it is a holy day. Yes, I did mention that when we were talking about what are we wearing to church? What are our children wearing to church? Make sure the clothes are 
appropriate for a holy day. Isaiah 58, verse 13. Let me go to that. Yes. Uh, if thou turn, verse 13, if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, like, oh, okay, let's go to the zoo today. Oh, it's such a beautiful day. Why don't we have a picnic? No, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Do you notice there, it, God calls it my holy day. Yes. And then he also calls it the holy of the Lord. The Knox translation says, Walk warily, keep my Sabbath unprofaned. It is a day I have sanctified, not for thy self-pleasing, a precious thing the Lord has made, holy and honourable. Now the word holy day is the word Kadesh. That's the Hebrew word for holy in the Old Testament. And it means apartness, holiness, sacredness, uncommonness, withheld from ordinary use. So we see that it is a day that's set apart, a day that is unto the Lord, because the word holy, Kadesh, actually means set apart. It's not sort of thing, oh yes, that's a holy person. No, holiness means a set a part person, so a holy day is a set, a part day. It's a day when we don't do things we do on other days. And then we will do things that we don't do on those other days, like meeting with the people of God and, and just assembling for our church service and also fellowshipping and showing hospitality to the people of God. And uh, also maybe having more time to spend in his word or just read and meditate on wonderful, just wonderful, wholesome uh, books and uh, commentaries and learning more of his word. So actually there's two words for holy in that scripture. The holy day is Kadesh and then the holy of the Lord is Kadosh. Uh, just slightly similar, meaning sacred, ceremonially and morally selected, pure, holy, consecrated, separated to God's service. It's a separation. Exodus 19 verse 6 says, And ye shall be unto me 
a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's who we are. We're a holy nation set apart unto God and we keep a holy day, whether we keep it Saturday or Sunday, and we keep it holy unto the Lord. A day that we keep holy unto the Lord. Amen? Oh, wow. I just hope you've got that. Um, actually, I've got another couple of verses here that really speak to me. Oh, goodness me. I can't believe where we've come to. I, I notice here in Exodus 16, verse 29, um, and here it's talking about um, the seventh day. On the sixth day, they had to go out and they had to uh, pick up the double portion. But on the seventh day, they were not allowed to. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. In other words, don't go out to find the food because there won't be any there. Well, I have to ooh, repent because I, I have got, wow, I have gone out and purchased on Sunday because now all the shops are open. And then I read in Nehemiah 10.31, And if the people of the land bring ware or any victuals on the Sabbath day to sell, that we would not buy it of them on the Sabbath day. My, I should have read that verse before because when was it? Sunday night. We went out to get some groceries. Wow. But then, of course, the Sabbath is actually from sundown to sundown. So we did go out in the evening. But I could have gone in the afternoon, not even thinking. Wow. So, really, I'm not keeping up with really what God's heart is for the day that we set apart unto him. Because it's just so easy to fall into just the secular world, isn't it? But we don't belong to the secular world. We're set apart unto God. My, am I really going to do this? I am challenged. Yes. So anyway, ladies, um, okay. Can I, oh, I might get a little bit late, but I just want to finish off because if I tell you number 15, we have finished this series. Can you believe it? Number 15, okay, of what God wants us to do in the land. Number 15 is pass on this good land to your children. Deuteronomy 1 verse 8, Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and to their children after them. This land of motherhood that we are embracing, that we are living in, it's not just for us and our children now. It's for our children's children and our children's children's children and the generations to follow. We have got to pass on this truth and his ways to the next generation. Deuteronomy twelve twenty eight. Observe and hear all these words which I command thee, that it may go well with thee, and with thy children after thee forever, when thou doest that which is good and right in the sight of the Lord thy God. We read in First Chronicles 28, verse 8, Seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God, that ye may possess this good land, and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you 
forever. Jeremiah 7 verse 7 If ye oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods to your hurt, then will I cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers, forever and ever. Dear precious ladies, we have already lost so much that God wants us as mothers to pass on to our children and the next generation. We are responsible to pass it on to our children. So they will pass it on to their children. Can we do that? Oh, may God save us from dropping the baton to the next generation. I'm now going to start a new series next week, calling it We Are the Transmitters of God's Truth to the Next Generation. We're going to talk about some of the things we need to be passing on. God's truth, many practical ways, even things in in regard to etiquette and protocol which are being lost to this generation so many things we've got to keep passing on we're going to talk about some of them so let's pray lord god dear father help us to be lovers of your precious word always seeking your truth seeking your ways that we will walk in your ways not walk in the ways of the world. But Lord God, you have chosen us to be a set-apart people unto you. You have even chosen us to have a day that's set apart unto you. A day, Lord God. Oh, help us to, Lord, not just give an hour or two, but to give this whole day to you, a day that we choose to set apart unto you, and that you will be first in our lives and in the lives of our children and in the lives of our succeeding generations. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.